Welcome to The Backpack, a podcast from Christ Community Church in Shelbyville, Kentucky. On The Backpack, we want to prepare you for the journey outside where following Jesus meets real life. Hey, welcome to The Backpack. My name is DJ, I'm one of your hosts, and thanks for joining me back at the canteen. This is one of our regular segments where we feature sermons from the preaching ministry here at Christ Community Church. This past Sunday, we continued our journey through the book of Philippians as we looked at the back half of chapter two, uh, and we're thinking about the idea of discipleship. Kenny Mattingly opened the word and led us to examine how we should shine brightly with the light that Christ has put in us and the difference that that makes to the people around us as we move forward day by day. So let's listen in as Kenny brings us this week's message. So, hey, if you guys um, are, are joining us for the first time this Sunday, I want to say uh, welcome. Um, secondly, I want to make sure that you know that my name is not Blake Lawyer, but it is Kenny Mattingly. Uh, I am on staff here, and I work with our students in our groups. Uh, it is, it's a delight for me because it, it, it's just, it always, always changing, right? Um, there's nothing that is uh, ever the same in those. And... Um, if, if you are uh, just wondering, hey, where did we, like, why, what are we talking about this morning? As DJ said, discipleship. Um, I want to catch us up before we jump into today's text. Um, and if you're a person that likes to have a little bit of information before we move forward, uh, we are going to be in Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 12 through 30 today. Uh, but to catch you up so that you're not um, confused or lost at, at Paul's words as we jump in today, um, the first week when we started this series called Hashtag Goals, um, we started with the idea and we're introduced that there are two stories that people should be familiar with. The first story is your own story, but the second story being that of Christ or the gospel story. For, for some of us, those stories at some point in our life have collided and, and you have allowed God to be the author and the hero of your story. Others in the room, you may still be wrestling with what that even means to allow Jesus' authorship of your life. And quite frankly, sometimes we just don't even want to surrender the limelight to Christ. And so there's that struggle for some of us after week one. And then week two, we learned that in order for Christ's story... Right, his passions, his plans, his priorities, in order for those to shine bright in our life, to become our own, we have to have the same mindset of Christ. It's what Blake preached from last week, that when we have the same mindset of Christ, unity happens and, and love happens. And so um, with that, I, I left last week thinking to myself, be more like Christ. Simple, right? That should be like, that's just a simple, be more like Christ, Kenny. That's, that's a simple thing to do. Go home. Don't be annoyed with anybody. Uh, you know, your four-year-old, she won't test your patience. None of those things. Be more like Christ. Sounds simple, but in practice, there's so much more to it. Your time, your ability, your willingness, your prioritizing, being consistent, caring about others, showing up, serving, the list goes on when we're called to have a mind or attitude that of Christ. 
And when I preached last, if you guys uh, remember, I'll remind you because my wife reminds me, um, I was in the midst of remodeling our bathroom. It's not done yet. <laughs> um, and, and that is what popped into my head as I was preparing to preach this week. Um, that bathroom project has tested me in many ways. It has tested my patience, but it also has uh, tested my confidence. Um, I, I am not a DIYer, but I married one who wanted a DIYer. And so I'm, I'm learning to grow into what that means to have the confidence to remodel a bathroom. And we finally reached this point. A friend of ours put in some lights. And two things happened. One, I was like, wow, Kenny, look how far you've come. And then I said, wow, Kenny, look at that job. It needs a lot more work. I don't know how to mud. I don't know how, all these things, right? But when the lights came on, it showed me just how far I've come. But it also showed me just how far I needed to keep going. And so in that remodel, I've learned a whole lot, and it's tested my spirit in many ways. But when it comes to being more like Christ, how do I even begin? I can throw paint on a roller. I can watch a YouTube video on how to do something better in my bathroom, and, and boom, the walls are finished. But I can't even get my bathroom fully remodeled, let alone allow the Lord to remodel my own life after his son, who for all intents and purposes, he, Jesus goes against everything of my flesh and my desires. So I'll be honest with you, some of what keeps me from completing the bathroom is the same thing that keeps me from allowing the Lord to remodel my own life. Confidence. So how do we have confidence? Well, here's the thing. I think you have to start with understanding that that question of how do I have the mind of Christ is a hard one to answer for us. For some of us in the room, your confidence is just overflowing. You might be a middle school boy. You have all the questions answered about life, love and happiness. And guess what? You answered them. If you're married, you got it all on lockdown. Everyone is happy all the time. You meet the needs of your spouse, their love language, and their Enneagram ID number is tattooed on your forearm. <laughs> Finances have nothing on you. And actually, this past year, you did an Ancestry.com test and found out, lo and behold, Dave Ramsey is your cousin. <laughs> you got kids. K Kenny, careful. More like perfect angels. They not only are ahead of their class, they are taller than everyone who is shorter than them, and they are the kindest, most loving creatures the Lord has ever blessed us with. If you're catching some sarcasm here, and I hope that you do, some of us may be pretty good at those things, or at least pretending to be good at them. But studies would show that it's more like we're, we're pretending than it is that we have the confidence that we're getting it all right. 85% of people deal with low self-esteem or confidence. And I would guess if, if my lack of confidence in my daily life and my decision-making has carried over into my faith life, your struggle looks a lot like mine. The invitation from Paul over and over and over again, and the same one we'll see today, 
found in 1 Corinthians 11, 1 and 2. It says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold fast to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. There's something in Paul's invitation here in, in 1 Corinthians and the same that we'll see in Philippians today. That there's an invitation to follow Jesus. But there's an invitation to be a light that shines for those who will one day follow Jesus. Because it is in Jesus being our cornerstone, our foundation, that we have the confidence to accomplish what seems to be impossible. It is when we shine, when the lights come on, finally, and they reveal just how much work Jesus has done in our life. And yet, just like the bathroom remodel, it's not finished yet. So let's check out the back half of Philippians 2 today. We're going to start in verse 12, and we're just going to... Paul's a brilliant writer, because what he does is he gives us the reminder of what it means to follow Jesus... Because he keeps pointing backwards. Over, you almost could read the book of Philippians backwards and still get, like you get the, the context. And so as we start, remember when we're reading that Paul is, is referring to, we see the first word, therefore. He's referring to what he painted a picture for the, the, the church of Philippi. Hey, look at Christ as your example. Have the same attitude as him. What did that look like? And then he paints the picture of Christ descending, serving suffering for us, for our sake. And, and that, that is Christ in a nutshell. Like, okay, so how, I'm supposed to do that. But he also called other people to him. And so Paul's saying, don't forget those things as I say this. So, starting in verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more so in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure. Children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation. Among, you, among whom you shine like stars in the world. By holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should be glad and rejoice with me. Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character, because he has served with me in the gospel ministry, like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come also. But I consider it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need. Since he has been longing for all of you, and he was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. 
For this reason, I am very eager to send him so that you may, have, may rejoice again when you see him and may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Lord, the thought of trying to be like Jesus can be overwhelming. It can zap our confidence. It can freeze us exactly where we're at instead of following you faithfully. And yet, in your promise... And in your command to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them, discipling them, you, you, you put this beautiful promise of being with us to the very end. So today, as we are reminded that discipleship is the launching pad of our faith, the, 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 the ways that we work out our salvation, help us look intently into our life to see where you are missing, where we need to surrender, where we need to serve, where we need to be sent. And it is in your son's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so, we pick up in uh, verses 12 and 13, and this is a very important verse for us to camp out for a minute. Because the realization is, is Paul points constantly back to Jesus. It's always about Jesus. He, when he approaches people, he has the mindset of Christ, and that affects his mission and his mindset and his motivation. Why is he doing what he's doing? It's all because of Christ. And so in 1 Corinthians 11, 1 and 2, it says, Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. Right? Follow me. But don't just follow me. Follow me that looks like Jesus. Now I praise you because you remember everything and hold fast to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. He's inviting them to learn and do the same thing that he's doing with them. So there's this, it's instant. Discipleship is a part of a Christian's life. But what does it look like? In Philippians 12 and 2, 12 and 13, there's a similar ring, a recalling that Jesus as the hero and author of, the, of their new life, right? Listen, don't forget these things. Jesus is the author and hero of your life. And they've been obedient, right? He's, he's encouraging them, telling them, listen, you've been following and, and, and learning and, and being the church. You've done a great job. Not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, right? Even when I'm not there, I hear good things. That's awesome. But what's your motivation behind it? Why are you doing what you're doing? Is it because Paul is going to follow up and I'm going to make you feel real dumb because you're not following Jesus well? Or is it because you are working out your faith with fear and trembling? It's a very important uh, piece of Scripture that a lot of times can make us think that, oh gosh, that means I have to work out my salvation. That means I have to keep working for my salvation. It, it removes the fact that our salvation was a gift in the first place. If you imagine getting something from someone, a gift, and you leave it in a box and you put it under your bed, did you ever actually receive the gift? No. Like, yeah, Kenny, it's under my bed, but you're not using it. You're not glorifying the person who gave it to you. You're not praising the person who gave it to you. You're not thanking the person. And so the realization is Paul's not saying you have to be better. It's you just practice what is preached. You follow the gospel. So working out our salvation isn't just this thing where 
Uh, I have to learn the, the exact verbiage of the Trinity. Or I have to have a better theology of God. Those things come as a secondary thing when we, when we practice our faith and we know our Savior. So he's not telling us to just make it all about works. That, that word work out should call us to say, well, what's, what's happening with, within? So the encouragement, the next step, is that he's telling them, work out what God has placed within you. If you are a changed person, live that way. And it's all in light of the gospel story. So we start to wrestle here and think to ourselves, well, well shoot, does it, it's just about good works, right? I've got to go to church. I've got to be in a D group, a community group. No, those are all secondary things. Because out of the goodness and the grace of the gospel, it changes our story. So when that light is given to us, Matthew, when, when Jesus talks about, hey, no one takes a light and puts it under a basket so the world can't see it. No, they let it shine. And so our opportunity in working out our faith, right, suffering, serving, and being sent, is how that light begins to shine. It's how our salvation is worked out. It's this uh, beautiful reminder that their salvation from when they first believed was only the beginning of sanctification. Did you catch that? It's, it's the beginning. It's not like, hey, I've been saved. All I got to do is sit in the seat. No, we live sent. Discipleship was adding fuel to the fire, and even more so, it was revealing there was a fire within them in the first place. Are you catching it? As we walk, we are shining our salvation that has been given to us from the Lord. That's the working out of our, our faith. It's not like a do better, and if you're not, I'm probably going to take that gift away. This is because you have been saved, work from grace, not for grace. Discipleship unwraps the gift of grace and the Holy Spirit by working out what God has placed within us. What God has done in them is, is, is doing and will do, required on their end, a working out what God was working within. Right? That nudge, the conviction... The calling of the Holy Spirit for things to change and follow Christ's commands. It's not like we just have this new body that has new desires. We have to work out those desires that are within us. So sometimes that means we're surrendering things. Sometimes it's our time, our priorities, but things are changing because of what God has placed within us. But it is up to us to wrestle with that. I, I talk to students all the time about this. It's this weird thing of like, I felt this way when I was in high school. It's like, this is it, right? Like, all I got to do is just be at church. I'm like, okay, every once in a while when Kenny or Blake tap me on the shoulder, I got to get in community groups, good to go. No, the, the working out our faith happens in community. Paul didn't say, hey, I want you to read this book, Church of Philippi. He sent people to the Church of Philippi. People from the Church of Philippi left there to go to Paul because of a relationship that he invited them into, not just with himself, but with the Lord. Discipleship creates a confidence to shine bright as we work out what God has placed within. 1 John 3, 21 through 24 says, Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence 
before God and receive whatever we ask from him. Because we keep his commands and do what is pleasing in his sight. Now this is his command. That we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commands remains in him and he in him. And the way we know, right? How, am I saved? Do, do I got to go back to 101 and make sure that I, I get all the theology right? And the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit he has given us. The nudge, the reminder to be called that we are equipped by the exact same spirit. So look at the verses 14 through 16. Let's read this together. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. Well, my week, I failed, just to let you know. So that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm. So how do we shine bright? By holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. How do I shine? How do we start to wrestle with this whole aspect of shining like a star? Hold fast to the word of life. Give this a little, just context here. Paul's writing to the church of Philippi. They do not have a Bible, right? So he's not, he's not referencing the gospel. He's referencing Jesus Christ. Now, the cool part is because God's awesome and like I'm geeking out up here is that because Jesus Christ is the word made flesh, we get to see the experience of having the Bible, God's word, and also know the one who was made into flesh. And so this beautiful picture for us to, to see that a, a mind reflecting that of Christ's passions, his purposes, and his plans work outwardly in our lives. And it makes believers look different, right? We shine. People ask questions. Shining bright like a star is what Paul says. But that is all done by holding fast to the truth of the gospel message and story. We can't change that story. Verses 17 and 18, there is some perspective truth here. Let's read this together. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, <clears throat> I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. What perspective is this giving us? Well, Paul's saying, hey, listen, like you, you're going to go, go serve people. You're going to go uh, surrender your life. You might even suffer for the sake of the gospel. And it might stink. It, it might stink. But keep this in mind. Your goal, what is it within you, is because of the light of Christ, not us. So understand that Christ surrendered, Christ served, and Christ suffered so that you and I could shine. Not because it was a gift that was like, oh, here, you just put this on. It's a little badge of honor. No, he said, through these things, imitating me, this is how you shine, because of me. All right, so our, our goal, our, our drive has to come from the gospel word or the person of Jesus Christ in order for us to make it through the days that are hard. Paul's writing a letter from prison. Paul has been persecuted, he's been beaten, he's been shipwrecked, he's facing the prospect of death. And yet he proclaims that even in suffering, that light shines because Christ is proclaimed. 
That's the bigger story. Not woe is me. It's been a hard week. But I had a gospel conversation this week. Because I've had a hard week. And they asked me, how on earth are you shining in so much suffering? Why do you stay so joyful when you serve others? Why do you surrender things in your life that the world doesn't call bad? Because Christ lives within me. And when I do, when I surrender, when I suffer, and when I serve others, I'm living a sent life. And I will shine. So Paul, again, I give him credit of being just a, he's an awesome writer because he is piecing this entire book together so that it's like, okay, cool, Kenny, I get it. I'm supposed to live like Jesus, so I need to suffer some. I need to, to, to live sent, if you will. But Paul gives us an example of what that looks like in two men's lives. And, and the, the cool part is, and this is where I get to be like, hey, listen, neither of these guys were special. That's what we have to realize. Paul, cool, like he was called, he was an apostle. It was going to be real hard to fill those shoes. But these two guys that Paul introduces to us in, in 19 through 30, I, I want you to pay close attention to the practices and the practicality of their life, what they do. So let's read it together. Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. Just catch this, right? Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to, what's that word? Send. Are you awake on this side? Send, right? We already see it. They are living a sent life, Timothy, to you soon, so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. Paul is discipling Timothy, and he's, getting, he's seeing Timothy shine, stepping in the shoes of an apostle, appearing before this church. It's not Paul, it's Timothy. And yet Paul is encouraged by this. For I have no one else like-minded who genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests. He, he said all. He, he even means Timothy. But we're seeing that Timothy is allowing the Lord's light to shine in his life. It's that collision course. But you know he's proven character because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see you. How, I see how things go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself will also come, but consider it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, my co-worker, fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need. Since he has been longing for all of you, he was distressed. So this guy picks up and leaves, right? And goes to Paul out of a relationship. But it's not just a relationship with Paul. He's not like, oh, I need to get on my horse and ride and make sure that Paul's escapades of being a great street preacher are fulfilled. It was because Paul first introduced the person of Jesus Christ to the church of Philippi that we see Epaphroditus choose to be sent. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but also on me. So that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow discipleship is relational. We're all, like, when you're reading this, you're like, dang, do I have any in my, in, like, my life that I'm sharing sorrow with? That I'm suffering alongside of? That I'm serving? Am I reminded on a daily basis to live sent? Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him 
in honor. This is not a the stationary of like, we have to have national uh, week of praising our pastor. That's not what pa- Paul's not painting this picture. He's saying, encourage this guy and be encouraged by him because he's choosing to let his light shine. Even when it's difficult. He left the comforts of home. He went to go hang out with Paul in prison. It's not fun. If you've ever been to prison, I'd love to hear the story. But two, it's just uncomfortable there. It's not where you want to be. And he chose to go and he got sick and almost died. But this is, this is the cool part. Because he came close to the death for the work of who? We following along, church? Or are we sleeping? Yeah. Okay, good. For the work of Christ. The goal was not Paul's ministry. Paul's ministry was Christ's ministry. And because he discipled others about Christ's ministry, it always was about Christ for every person that we see sent in the Bible. It was never someone else's story. And when it is someone else's story, that shining light will dwindle because it is not the light of Christ that they are sharing. So let's look at these guys' bios real quick. It was just kind of a neat thing. Timothy was raised, or at the very least, discipled by his mother and grandmother. 2 Timothy 1.5. Timothy follows Paul as he follows Christ. And we know this because Paul describes how Timothy thinks like-minded. He served alongside Paul. And sometimes when we read, I read this and I had to like sit and like camp out in it. He served alongside Paul so closely that he had the same sufferings as Paul. Timothy's life was lived as if it was not his own. Surrendered fully, not to Paul, but unto the Lord Jesus Christ. His life shined bright because he lived sent. Epaphroditus, again, his description is similar to that of Timothy. But what's in the name? I'm glad you asked. Epaphroditus had a pagan origins, meaning belonging to Aphrodite's, the Greek God of love, which means he was not a believer. He wasn't just born into the church, right? He didn't have, Paul sought him out and he shined brightly. And Epaphroditus said, I want that. I want that same light. This guy was in the thick of it all, serving, suffering, and surrendering his life to further, not Paul's escapades, but to work out his salvation in which he received through the discipleship of Paul in Philippi. He's working out. He's saying, hey, if this is real, I'm going to follow. Leaving what was comfortable to go and suffer with Paul and almost losing his life in the process. His life shined because he lived sent. Neither of these guys had extensive background seminary training. Neither of these guys were picked by Jesus to be apostles. Neither of these guys had any specific special qualities about them. Paul places these two directly after, not to express discipleship as important, not, that is part of it, but to show what happens when we respond and participate in the command of Christ to go and make disciples of all nations. That's what happens. So, so Christianity is not just a, I'm a part of a church, but I am the church. Those signs above the door that say, go be the church, hopefully after today, if they haven't before, will take a whole new meaning. They received the good news of the gospel and lived sent. The promised gift of salvation through Jesus Christ propelled them into living sent. 
They had to know the truth. They had to know the goal before they could just be sent. But when they found out, the mindset of Christ caused them to seek and serve others. Purpose was gained through their surrender. And suffering was turned to shining. So the question, how do you shine? There's this cool thing. I, I was, my budget's not big enough to do something like this. Um, but nuclear fusion, anybody familiar? Some of us in the room? I'm not super, so if you want to correct me afterwards, please do. But in my uh, search of the internet and my uh, grasping at straws to understand nuclear fusion within a three-day span, I found something neat. I always believe that God has worked himself into his creation so that when people aren't believers and they seek him out, they're going to find him. Because um, stars are born out of the process called nuclear fusion. And what that is, this is lame in terms of if I get something wrong, understand that I'm just trying to talk about all the pieces that are found within and what's happening. But when the, the protons and the electrons are, are just swarming around the, the, the nuclei, right? They're just doing their thing in there. They will never shine unless a force outside of themselves is greater than them and causes them to collide with one another. So a temperature change or a speed change, but it doesn't happen from within. I, they cannot do it. But when that force interrupts their motion, interrupts their life, interrupts their priorities, they begin to shine. How neat! How neat! I'm like prepping for a sermon this week, and God's like, hey, use this. This is really cool. I did this a long time ago. <laughs> God is, is showing us that it is only when we choose to collide with Him that our lights will shine. It's not going back to our old selves. It's when we choose to shine the light of Christ that it happens. So in those moments when we are suffering, it's hard. It's hard. But when we point back to Christ, we begin to shine. And the world says, what? When we choose to serve, the world says, why? It's this crazy thing when we choose to go, hey, I'm going to live different. I'm going to live sent. And they're like, why are you going? Jesus. And it's because of the goal, it's because of the person of Jesus, that they can continue running that same race and shine brightly. So if you're not convinced yet that discipleship is in, in the, the beautiful swirling mess that it can be, is where when we start to suffer, when we start to serve others, when we live sent, when that all happens, that's when we shine. That's when we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. The fear and trembling part, just to let you know, it's not like, oh gosh, I'm so scared of God. It's, oh, God is holy and he means it. The promise that he gives me is the same as the command. The level is, is the same of importance. And so we get to be encouraged. Jesus says in uh, Matthew 16, 24, this is as much of a command as it is um, an invitation. If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Paul's invitation, imitate me as I imitate Christ. The working out of our salvation is found in the continuing invitation of discipleship, found in our lives. Because when we extend the same invitation to others... Our humanity collides with God's holiness and causes our light to shine. 
Why do we have a, a sermon just on discipleship? I mean, Kenny, like we're Christians, right? It's, just, it's in the name. Charles Spurgeon once answered a question after he was uh, preaching. He said, uh, the, the question was, can, can those who, who do not know Christ, who have not heard of Christ, can they be saved? And he's like, this is his answer. I'm like, holy smokes, this is super convicting. Can he get to work? He says, that's a troubling question indeed. But even more troubling was whether we know, we who know Christ and the gospel are doing nothing to bring it to the lost. Could we be saved? So if we know the gospel and we are not intentionally discipling others, you can't just live a good life because that's, that's your own light shining. That's our selfishness saying, I just want people to think I'm a good person. But in reality, I know I'm not. And so instead, I'm going to let the light of Christ shine so that others' lives can be changed radically, not just for a moment. So what does that look like in our lives? How do we equip ourselves at Christ's community to do that? Well, one, we gather every single Sunday. I was having a conversation with some parents um, this past week, and it, it's the reality of, well, like, can I just like, be at church like, every so often? Well, sure. It's not, a, it's not a, a, I have to get it checked off. It's the reality that when Monday comes, I've already forgotten the gospel, and I work for the church. So we have to be constantly drawn back into God's holiness because our unholiness still exists. But when we work out our faith with fear and trembling, we find ourselves in the places in which God begins to shine. Discipleship is part of our DNA of a Christian, our chemical makeup. Without it, the prospect of shining seems to dwindle. Discipleship is, is running with others, with other believers and non-believers, so that we may suffer, serve, and surrender towards the same mindset of, of Christ. And when that happens, you shine bright. Because those who do not know Christ desire that same light. Can you fix the problems in other people's lives? Absolutely not. Can Jesus? Yes. And that's the light that we are called to shine. So I, I want to give you these two questions. right? Because I, I, can't, I can't take a magnifying glass to each of your lives and say, this is how you're not being a good disciple this week. It's just not, it's just, it's one, you'd be uncomfortable and so would I. But two, you have to know and wrestle with what that next step is. You have to choose, you have to decide to live sent this week. So the two questions are this. Throw them up on the screen. Do I have the mindset of Christ? Well, Kenny, that was the question that you said you wrestled with last week. You said it was hard. I said, yes, and now I'm up here preaching about it. And the same can happen with you when you start to wrestle with, do I have the mindset of Christ? And your life will start to preach it. The second question is, am I running the right way? A lot of times, um, if you're learning to run, I'm not a runner, okay? I got some people in my life that are runners, and they can correct me later. Um, but it, the reality is, is you figure out that you're running incorrectly because your body starts to hurt. Amen? Your neck, your back, your knees, and some of you are like, I ain't running, but all those things hurt. <laughs> it's called getting old. I'm doing it too. It's crazy. But you need someone to look at how you're running. So you can't do this disconnected from the body of Christ. So we ask these questions in the context of the church individually and the church corporately. But we don't always ask those questions on a Sunday morning because it would be really awkward, okay? It's hard to love each other in like 10 minutes. Say, hey, uh, how's your week going? Good, but Blake's about to go up. Well, that was a good conversation. I love my church. 
No, it happens where we go and create community that is biblically based or we are deciding to be discipled or disciple others underneath the context of the gospel, the word of life. So, know his word and hold firm to it. It's going to be the first thing. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm wrestling with these questions. How do I do that, Kenny? I'm looking for some tangible. I don't want to just wrestle this week. So go where his, his, the, his word is studied and lived out. So this is a little bit of a celebration thing. 77% of Christ Community Church are in groups. That's huge. 77% of us have, have leaned in in the invitation to participate in the Philippians hashtag goal series. And our hopes is that you have, you're coming in contact with Christ and you are saying, wow, I want, I want to do this more. You, you, if you're like, hey, I've committed to the eight weeks, I'm going to stick it out. But then after that, I just don't know. I heard this quote yesterday is, uh, start doing things when you're busy so that when you're not, you'll still do them. You catch that? So, so start disciplining and deciding to live sent when you're busy so that when you got nothing to do, you're still following Jesus. Because if you don't run with a goal, if you don't run with a purpose, there's this man, a theologian to some, he's touched many of our lives, who uh, one day he said, I just, I just started running and we pick up later in his movie of Forrest Gump. I know, it's, it's going to be good if it's Forrest Gump, right? And this is what, 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 what he says. Uh, in his head, he's, he's thinking, and he says, I had run for three years. I'm not going to do his voice. I can't do it. Three years, two months. For, some of y'all are like, Kenny, you sound like that anyway. <laughs> two months, 14 days, and 16 hours. And then he stops and turns around. And the people following him, right? This is a picture of discipleship. Because if you're leading people in a direction that you have no idea and no goal and no purpose, this is what happens. Quiet, quiet. He's going to say something. There's like this joy in the guy's voice. And Forrest pauses and says, I'm pretty tired. I think I'll go home now. Forrest Gump. Ran with no intent. No, he just started running. When we start running with no goal, no purpose, when we start running without the Savior, without community to point us back towards the Savior, it's hard to shine our light. So why run with a purpose? Why run with others? Um, Alex Hagen is, uh, I don't know what we call what we do on Friday mornings, uh, but we've, we've been doing it for like four and a half years. Um, early in the morning, we meet together on Fridays. Right now, it's at the paddock. If you want to join us, there's an invitation. Nobody. It's okay. But I asked him, I said, what's your why for running? Because he runs a lot. And I think people are crazy if they run. Like, I ain't running, like, from a bear. I'm going to stand and fight. But he said, I would say it depends on the season that I'm in. Right now, I'm training for this 50K a trail race with Gavin. This is a challenge that I feel like I needed because I've accomplished everything within my ability from 5K to half marathon as far as speed. This race offers me a new challenge physically and mentally, and training for it with Gavin greatly enhances the joy of training. When I don't have a goal race or challenge, it's simply something I love for staying in shape 
and it brings me peace mentally. If you fall in love with the Savior first and foremost, the, the race that you and I are called to run, although it be hard, although there be suffering, you will shine. You've got to check your technique every once in a while. You have to allow people, the Lord, to speak in. Because your reason must be greater than yourself on the days that you suffer for the sake of the gospel. When you are left with the choice to speak the truth of Christ in, in truth and grace, don't forget that. You may be compromising your standing with friends, family, co-workers, or even your children. Your light must come from Christ, so on the days you'd rather focus on self than serving others, His light is what you will choose to shine. When you choose to serve your spouse, your family, the annoying neighbor, or the hard-to-love person God has placed smack dab in the middle of your life, regardless of how you feel, how tired you may be, Christ's light be magnified. On days that the world says, you do you, live life to the fullest. Do what makes you happy. Remember the light that shines so brightly on the day you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. The day that you found that the way, the truth, and life was found in the person, in the attitude of Jesus. Because like Paul, we can say, but even more in life, when, when it's poured out, when I suffer for the sake of the gospel, his light will shine. As a follower of Jesus Christ, when your mindset, your mission, and your motivation is that of Christ, you will shine his light. One last tool I want to give you guys. And, and we, we can leave it up like maybe in the beginning of, of communion. Um, this diagram. The middle word there, I don't know if you guys can see it. And if you're like, that looks familiar. It's on this wall back here behind you. But the, the middle word here is called mindset. And I believe that when we, we struggle and wrestle and, and take on those two questions, when we find out what our mindset is, it's going to reveal our mission and our motivation. So, so when we, this week, you take a picture of it, or if you, like, we can send it to you, I don't know. We'll get our IT people on it, Katie. We will send that to you so that you can wrestle with it, to reveal where your motivation is, reveal your mission. And so... As, as we move to a next part of service, I, I, I'm, I'm encouraged by this. When we choose to do this together, all of us in this room are living since Something happens. When we do this, the only people that are disconnected here at Christ Community are those who do not know Jesus. When we say go outside or go be the church, it isn't a cool tagline that we should one day put on a t-shirt, but rather a reminder the church, hear this, Monday is coming and you have a light to shine. When we actively participate in what the Holy Spirit is directing us in, seats are not just filled on a Sunday morning, but lives are radically transformed for an eternity. When His way becomes our ways in our lives, our homes, our soccer, our football, our basketball, our gaga ball, our pickleball, our beach ball, our ball ball, I'm not sports oriented, that becomes a place where the gospel is shared. So I don't say remove yourself from those things, but is it your mindset and your mission and your motivation? All because we have decided to allow the light of Christ that the Lord has placed within us to work out of us through our mindset, 
through our mission, and through our motivation. So as we partake in communion, my hope is that we find encouragement in the fact that the light that we are called to shine comes from the one who first surrendered his life on the cross. His body broken, his blood shed, so that you may shine with sins forgiven, and you're robed in his righteousness. So may the room grow brighter as we are reminded and take those next steps as the band leads us in worship. If you find yourself with a decision to make today, a next step in your discipleship pathway, right? To surrender your life to Christ, to connect to his mission or have him renew your mindset, take it. I'll be down front. Katie's going to be in the back. Lord, I pray that your word does not fall short. I pray that we are encouraged, we are convicted, we are driven, we, we're, we're thinking of the plans of, of how, do I, how do I change my mindset so that my, my mission and my motivation is reflected as yours in my life. Help us wrestle with that as we sing your praises, as we take a next step to remember your sacrifice of giving your one and only son to die on a cross for our sins and yet complete the circuit to make the light shine by raising him from the grave and conquering death. It's all in Jesus' name. It is all because of Jesus that we go be the church. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Hey, DJ again. Thanks for joining us at the canteen and listening to this week's message. Uh, we hope it was helpful to you and that you're encouraged and challenged as we set out this week to walk the walk of faith together, joining Jesus and going outside. Uh, if you're a part of Christ's community, hey, let's let's lean into this. Let's not let this just be an academic exercise, but let's apply what we've heard today. How can you be applying this truth in your life this week? If you're not part of the Christ Community family, we're glad that you joined us, glad that you found us, and we hope that, uh, that this message was helpful to you as well. One encouragement we would give you, if you're not part of a local church, uh, please don't use these resources as a substitute for that. It is a pale imitation of the real thing as we live in community with one another. So if you're in the Shelbyville area, we'd love to have you come out and join us. But wherever you are, find a local church, get plugged in an experienced Christian community as it was meant to be, and continue to use these resources to supplement that journey. But please don't replace it. Thanks for joining us this week. Grab your backpack, and I will see you on the trail. Thanks for listening to The Backpack, a production of Christ Community Church. The Backpack is hosted by DJ Williams, Daniel Bright, and Josiah Ward. You can learn more about Christ Community Church at loveshelbyville.com.